it just so happened that we were able to say, hey, look, that we are actually a pandemic-proof business and a business that has actually seen our numbers go up. And so they were able to rally the investors and we closed in the end of May. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We got to grow faster, minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Erin Burry. She is an entrepreneur, speaker, startup advisor, and former technology journalist. She's a co-founder and CEO today of a company called Willful, an online estate planning platform. She's, she's appeared in publications including the New York Times, Forbes, and CNN, and she was named one of Marketing Magazine's Top 30 Under 30 Marketers. Erin, you ready to take us to the top? Of course. All right. Estate planning is not like a sexy, hot topic. How did you find yourself in that world? Yeah, it's a great question. As a journalism grad, I did not expect to be the CEO of an estate planning company. But, (laughs) you know, every entrepreneur starts a company because of a personal experience. And so we had a family member pass away unexpectedly and trying to wrap up their life when going through all the unanswered questions made us realize that there really isn't an easy way to record those wishes and take care of end of life planning. So here we are. And now it's something I'm very passionate about. So when was that? What year did you launch the company? So it was 2017. It's actually my husband and I who founded it together, which is always fun working with your spouse. And uh, and yeah, so we've since created about 40,000 documents for people across Canada. We're a Canadian company based in Toronto. And, uh, and we're currently working on building out other products that can help people with their end of life planning. So so let's let me understand that from a SaaS perspective. On average, what's a customer paying you per month to use your technology? So it's actually not a recurring product. It's more of a one-time transactional product. So you're paying us anywhere from $99 to $149 for uh, your documents, your will and power of attorney documents. And we offer free unlimited updates, which is a competitive advantage. And the idea is that we'll build out other products and services that help you along that end-of-life journey, either you or your family, and be able to increase our lifetime value through that. Mm -hmm. How do you you think about you know, it's hard to plan. You have to do a certain number of these POAs and $99 sales per month for you to have some revenue base to feel confident to go out and make hiring decisions on to build the business, invest more in engineering. I mean, how do you get to a product where you can add value to these folks even after they file the initial documents? Yeah, it's a great question, Nathan. I feel like the the sad 
truth is, and this is true in Canada as well as the U.S., people are woefully unprepared for their own passing. And about 60% of adults don't have just the simple legal documents. So there's a really big pool of potential customers, more of whom are turning to online tools because of COVID. And in terms of how we actually create that predictability, it's through marketing around life moments. We know that having a child and uh, the death of a loved one are the two major life events that cause you to think about these things. And once we have you in the door, then we become a trusted source for other products in future. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. So back in your first year in 2017, uh, how much revenue did you guys do? Do you remember? Well, we launched in the end of October, so I'm assuming a couple thousand dollars by the end of that <laughs> calendar year. Uh, but really, you know, I my husband started it initially. I joined. Uh, I was running a marketing agency at the time that worked with consumer tech companies, so I joined full time after about a year. And um, you know, I think in the first year we probably did a couple hundred thousand dollars of revenue. So we felt like we had some good product market fit in that there were people paying from day one, but we didn't truly achieve some of that scale until I'd say the last 12 months. Okay. So 2018, you feel like you did two, $300,000 in sales, something like that. I'd have to look back at the numbers um, because our fiscal is uh, June 30th. So oh, okay, for us, okay. we're all, I'm always thinking in fiscal. Yep. Yep. Okay. This makes sense. Um, so I guess the reason I'm asking the revenue questions is it's a big risk for you and your husband, but all your eggs in the willful basket per se, right? So you had to, he had to sort of de-risk it early for you guys to agree that you should leave your agency job and do this full time. What sort of moment was that? Walk me through that conversation. Yeah. I mean, I actually, it's funny because now it sounds like it was all planned out in the stars to join Willful. But initially I left the agency for other reasons. I was just, uh, you know, not feeling challenged, wanted to move on. And as I actually looked around at all of the options and what to do next, Willful just was the obvious choice to learn. Uh, I'd never run a venture backed company before. I'd only run a service business. So I was really looking for that challenge of how to get a VC to buy into your idea and scale a product team. Uh, so it became the natural option. But yeah, at the time, it was scary to have both of us taking no salaries. But I do some paid speaking and other things on the side. And luckily, Nathan, we were able to start paying ourselves earlier than in 2020. Oh, that's great. Congratulations. That's a big moment. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, uh, and, and so walk your venture back. When did you raise capital? We raised it right smack dab in the middle of uh, COVID. And it was quite a roller coaster because we actually had a signed term sheet on February 27th. And then, you know, a couple short weeks later, the world went crazy. And uh, our investor raises from high net worth individuals into special purpose vehicles. So it's not a traditional fund model. So there was a couple weeks there where we thought there's no way this is going through because all of these high net worths are, you know, their liquidity is being uh, compromised. And uh, really, at the same time that that investment was jeopardized, we saw our sales and traffic go through the roof because, unfortunately, the pandemic made people think about their own mortality and contemplate and prioritize emergency planning. So it just so happened that we were able to say, hey, look, that we are actually a pandemic-proof business and a business that has actually seen our numbers go up. And so they were able to rally the investors, and we closed in the end of May. Okay, close in the May. And how much did you close on? Uh, 1.1 million Canadian, which I think is like $4 US. <laughs> okay. One, one Canadian. What is it actually US? I think it's probably around 800 K. Yeah. Depending on what day you look at the exchange rate. Um, exactly. did you do that on it? I'm curious about SPV models. Did you do that on a note, like a safe or did you do it priced round? 
No, we had did it as a price round with a post money valuation of six million. We had done some convertible uh, debt earlier on from mostly Shopify executives in Toronto. There's a lot oh, of smart. Shopify executives who are angel investors now. Uh, so those all converted along with the price round, but it was uh, yeah, it was priced. And 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 walk me through that that valuation conversation because you know this isn't obviously a, a typical SaaS movement, but there's a clear path to launching a recurring product. So how did you justify the valuation with with really one time sales? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, we always do try to position ourselves more as an e-commerce model versus a traditional SaaS with recurring revenue. And the investors who want SaaS are never going to see the valuation there. But luckily, our investors had been executors themselves. They really understand the space. And they had also invested in other companies like Mocha, who are more e-commerce-based fintechs. Uh, so really, I mean, it's always a dance, Nathan. I'm sure everyone tells you this. You, you know, it's like negotiating anything. They come in low, you go high, you try to justify it. They say, no, that's crazy. And then you meet somewhere in the middle. So uh, luckily, we found great investors who saw the value in the business and who understand that, you know, you're getting into bed for a decade potentially. And so you have to both be happy walking away from the deal. And talk to me about your guys' content marketing strategy. And if that's your primary user acquisition channel, you rank very high according to Ahrefs for competitive terms like online will, even just the word will, you guys are in the sixth position for it, gets you caught 300, 400 clicks per month organically. Is that an intentional strategy? It is, Nathan. A lot of the things we do are not intentional, but this one is. Uh, you know, For us, we, we always think about the behavior of our users. You really start your search for estate planning and wills by hitting up Google. And so we've long known that PR, content marketing, and methodical SEO is going to be the way that we win. And the other big user acquisition channel for us is partnerships. So being able to target people through new mom groups or mortgage brokers, financial advisors, anyone who's already having the conversation with folks around those major life moments that tend to be inflection points to create your will. Okay. Talk, so community groups like mom groups, I mean, can you name one? Is it like a Facebook group? What's the title of it? Some of them are Facebook groups, but the more official ones would be, uh, you know, Parent Life Network is a big one in Canada that uh, that new moms are a part of, but even just other kind of fintechs. So we're partnered up with Wealthsimple and some of the other folks who are offering investing, saving tools. Uh, and then the B2B community is big. So financial advisors, insurance brokers, mortgage brokers, et cetera. And when you look at your last full fiscal year of revenue history, what did that come in at? So that I am not going to disclose okay. <laughs> <laughs> just a- because I know our competitors are always watching, but I can say that it was about, um, we've seen like a four to five increase uh, year over year. So it's definitely gone up a lot. Can I, I'm going to push further there and, and with the more generic question, uh, sure. have you broken a million dollar run rate yet? And if, if not, do you think you can do that, you know, in the next couple of months? Yes, we've broken a million dollar run okay. rate. Yeah, that's great. And, and is, you know, so next goal, I assume, is probably getting up to five or ten million. Do you think you get to like a five or ten million dollar run rate still selling just a lot of one time products, or do you have to launch a recurring product to do that? You think? I think to answer your question, I don't know that we can get up to a ten million dollar run rate with the only the current existing product because it is a bit of a lower price product. But as we start to look at things with more lucrative. Uh, price points like estate administration tools, insurance, things like that. I absolutely think that those one-time transactions could get us up to that run rate. 
um, or that the commission could be on the B2B side. So for example, launching a version of Willful where a financial advisor could pay a monthly fee to offer it to their clients. And so the recurring actually comes from the B2B side of the business. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the company that comes to mind when I'm interviewing you, because you know, I do so many interviews, I've, I've t- touched a couple on this space, but like trust and will comes to mind. And I'm going a bit off memory here, but I think that they were only doing like 25 grand a month in revenue. So 300,000 bucks a year, but they'd raised like $8 million at a ridiculous valuation. You're doing, it sounds like more revenue than they're doing, but it's not true SaaS. So you're maybe not getting the premium that they got, but you're maybe making more money. I don't know. I mean, I think Cody and I are very close. Yeah. We're partnered with them and we do a lot of work together. And I definitely would not say that we're making more revenue than them. I don't know that for sure, but yeah. the market in the US is just so much bigger, right? So, and, and they've obviously seen a COVID bump as well. Um, I think that we're both trying to achieve the same goal, but it's actually nice that we're both doing it in different ways. So for example, we have a family plan where you can buy multiple plans. They don't. So it's a way for them to validate that they all have subscription. We don't. So it's a way to kind of validate that. So it's Mm -hmm. actually nice to your point early in the conversation. It's not a sexy topic. And so us estate planning CEOs tend to be a pretty tight knit club and to share learnings. And it's nice to have these peers in other markets who are who are sharing those learnings. Yeah, and sorry, I have to add a correction there. Uh, that's just their SaaS revenue. Like you, oh, right. okay. like you, they have a much larger business, which is sort of the one-time sort of sales, but they're trying to build that recurring revenue. Um, Got it. Okay. That's super interesting. Wait, so is there a path where in four years I'm interviewing you and Cody and you guys are all part of the big same company? You know what? I always say, uh, if I had a chance to move down to San Diego, which is where they're based, <laughs> yep. instead of staying here all winter in Toronto and trudging through the snow, absolutely. I mean, obviously, oh, there's a f- few paths for any company. There's IPO, exit, or uh, staying profitable long term. And I think we're very much on an exit path. And when we think about ideal acquirers, we want it to be somewhere where we want to work, right? I'm going to have to spend years of my life at the acquirer. And so, uh, of course, we really admire their culture and their mission. Mm-hmm. And Aaron, when you look at um, 40,000 documents processed so far, how many customers have paid you at least a dollar on a one-time fee to generate those 40,000 documents? Yeah, I think I'd have to, again, check, but uh, between 10 and 15,000 kind of paid customers to generate that 40,000 documents. And and do you have any relationship with those 10,000 folks like today, if they used you three years ago, or is it really sort of one time and then you're not around anymore? So they're coming back and making updates to their document. We offer that for free as a kind of competitive advantage in the market. But uh, really that building out that kind of longer term relationship is the priority for us for 2021. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge advantage if you can get these folks that paid one time a long time ago to still be addicted to your platform, come in once a year and update it before their New Year's celebration, for example. What's the activation metric you're tracking each year to say, you know what, we love this. They're still active on the platform. Yeah, I, that's a good question. I'd have to ask our conversion manager, but uh, I don't know that we're really tracking a lot of that right now. And that's kind of the next phase is, okay, now someone's in our ecosystem. What are we actually doing to turn them into a long-term ambassador? What is your team size today? How many folks? We're at 15. 15. Okay. How many engineers? Uh, four. Four. Okay, great. And then everyone else is sort of a mix. Any quota carrying sales reps? So we, yep, we have a B2B salesperson, uh, we have uh, an affiliates manager, we have a great product and delivery team, um, and then some marketing folks as well that kind of blend between paid acquisition and uh, the more content SEO side of it. And then we also have estate lawyers in each province on contract with us, uh, but they're not full-time employees. Does the BDR or the business person, they have a, like a sales quota they have to hit, or they're just more handling all the relationships and partnerships? 
It's a mix of both. They do have a quota that they're aiming for, um, but they also do a lot of fulfillment of those partnerships as well. So actually working with partners on the account management side and then also doing a lot of the outbound. And how do you structure, maybe with a company like Cody and Trust and Will, how do you structure your affiliate arrangement and how has it changed from the first one you deal you did to now in terms of what you've learned? Yeah, so for us, it's really kind of, we always have offered a percentage of revenue, but again, we're not a huge price point product. So we have to find other ways to incentivize partners to promote us over a bank insurance company where they might be making thousands of dollars in commissions. So uh, we've started to expand from those learnings into uh, earnings per click and for signups instead of just for conversions. And I think that's something that others in the space are moving to as well. So just just to put this out, because EPC earnings per click used to be only something you would see on like warrior form, these like very deep like websites for like affiliate marketers, but it's creeping into B2B and B2B SaaS exclusively. So what you're saying is there are partners that you would pay just because you know the quality of their base is so high. You're comfortable taking the risk. And if they say, yes, Aaron, we'll send an email blast out to our list of a million people. We're going to generate a thousand clicks. You're comfortable saying we'll pay three bucks a click because you know what they're probably going to convert at. A hundred percent. And also because we have a conversion manager whose job it is to create great journeys once they get there and to also be tweaking the product continually to know that we can actually service them. The hardest challenge for any startup is getting someone, someone's eyeballs on you, right? So for us, we're happy to pay you, especially as you said, a very targeted market, like new parents, new homeowners, et cetera. Um, and, and to pay for that versus a conversion. Super interesting. What a great story. Let's wrap up here, Aaron, with your famous five. Number one, favorite business book. Uh, the power of habit by Charles Duhigg. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Great question. I mean, I guess Cody from trust and will, I really admire his leadership style and what he's been able to achieve in the business. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building Wilco? Um, Asana. It's my Bible for project management. <laughs> Number four, how many hours of sleep are you getting every night? Oh, I, I sleep a lot. Eight hours every night. Love that. And what's your situation? Mar- it's, I'm obviously married. Uh, kids? No kids yet, but uh, you know what? Stay tuned, Nathan, and you might, you, you might see some in the future. <laughs> I was going to say, you're, you, you mentioned Parent Life Network and these mom groups. I'm going, oh, maybe there's some kiddos on the way here. We'll have there to see. <laughs> All right. So, so married, no kids yet. And Aaron, do you mind me asking how old you are? I am 35. Okay. Last question. Take us back 15 years. What's something you wish you knew when you were 20? That uh, entrepreneurship was a career path. Guys, there you have it. She started off as an agency, now teamed up with her husband, launched Willful.co, helping with power of attorney and wills and end-of-life planning. They've done over 40,000 of these documents filed, spanned across over 10,000 customers that have paid them something to do this. It is a one-time fee model right now, but they did raise capital, $800,000 at a $6 million valuation. We'll have to watch closely and see if a SaaS uh, product is in the works. Right now, they're just focused on driving free engagement and free updates for their user base as they want to keep updating those wills and documents over time. Erin, thanks for taking us to the top. Nathan, thanks for having me. Appreciate it.